Welcome to Rooted and Unwavering, a podcast and radio show which features leaders from all walks of life in conversations about courageous connectedness. How do we stay connected to our best selves, especially when we are challenged? What becomes possible when we truly stay committed to our own and others' greatness, also when we don't feel it? Join host Hilke Faber, transformational coach, facilitator, and award-winning author of Taming Your Crocodiles, and his guests as they explore leadership greatness in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering. Welcome to Rooted and Unwavering, our 11th, actually 12th episode of this series. I'm broadcasting live from Phoenix Radio X in Arizona, and this is the place where we help leaders connect more deeply to their innate potential. So this is our final episode of 2022. I'm here today with Rick Gage, my colleague from Growth Leaders Network. Hey, Rick, how are you today? Good, good. Excited to be with you. Excellent. Me too. Me too. I was thinking about this final episode of this year. I feel a little emotional, um, a sense of gratitude for being able to do this work, not over the last 12 casts only, but also over the last decades of helping to realize more and more of the beauty and strength, compassion, love, peace, creativity, grit, all of that acceptance, light, strength in ourselves and each other. And Rick, you have been such a beautiful partner in that work over the last few years as you joined Growth Leaders Network. And you bring so much experience, a fantastic, deep human being, very caring. When I think of you, I think of a person who creates such safe space in which everything is accepted and therefore everything grows. It's not a tepid acceptance, it's a fierce acceptance. Like, okay, now you step into your purposeful action today. What is that? Also, you bring to us your experience as a sales leader. You're a grandfather. I'm going to mention also that you are a widow since a few months. Your beloved passed away a few months, and you've also brought a lot of the wisdom from that passing into our work and our relationship over the last years as that's been going on. So I'm so happy to be here with you today, Rick. And today we're going to look at what we learned. We learned from these last six episodes in particular about connecting to our true self and connecting with others. How we can be true to ourselves and how we can be true to each other. So uh, that's what we'll be doing. And so if you're listening, maybe this is a time for you to for all of us to get a little closer to ourselves and what's true and and to enjoy that. So Rick, what is your feeling as you come into this conversation? Well, in preparation for this, I went back and uh, looked again at um, at each of the podcasts. I was there live for all of them, but one, and there was just so much in them. It was just amazing. And what I found myself at first, it was sort of an intellectual exercise of, of what were the things they said. I want to make sure I keep track of the things they said. And then eventually I relaxed into it a little bit and just said, let me let me just focus on what what speaks to me, where I am right now in these. And there were things that really, really spoke to me yeah. in, in each of the 
each of the sessions that you had. And I think that's really the way in which I want to hold these podcasts because each of the conversations is so rich. These are these are just beautiful human beings being real about the life that they lead, their their struggles, their, their how they lead, how they show up, how they how they are with themselves. And there's a sort of honor. I think that there's there, there's a wisdom in us that recognizes wisdom in others. It's like something in my body zings or vibrates when the thing that I need to pay attention to is is said by someone else. That sense of resonance and singing. And it's interesting that you bring that up. I'm thinking of one of our speakers, Pam Matson, the leader of SVP of People Development Outreach. She talked about resonance. She had this really kind and gracious way, but yet piercing way to say, and you know when you're in resonance and you know you're out of resonance. And to me, that was such a powerful frame about how do we connect to ourselves? It's not an intellectual exercise. It's a full body, full experience exercise. When I'm in talking with somebody, whether it's to my neighbor on the street or to a client, or I'm in a meeting with somebody that I not met with or not met yet or with, with a colleague, it's, there's always this underlying sense of, am I in resonance or am I out of resonance? I love the, the quote. I, it was one that I noted, and my quotes are on the side screen here. So when I look to the side, I'm, I'm reading the quote was, follow your resonance. And she followed that, what I thought was really cool, and be incredibly grateful for dissonance. No, not that is a powerful place to create from. No, not that. No, not Follow that. resonance, which is the piece we were just talking about. That's exciting. Following resonance, what we hear from somebody else, that kind of stuff, but also noticing dissonance and pay attention to that. And, and in the sort of looking inward and leading self, those are really powerful things to, to bring into the truth inquiry. Yes. I think about, you know, our lives, you know, when we are working together, sometimes, especially when we have big goals, which we often have, and my ego mind wants to go ahead and wants to try to control, then that's a moment where I start to feel tension. And that's the moment where I start to feel like, oh, no. It's not that. That's not that. And my body tells me. And then it brings me back to, or maybe it brings me forward. That's maybe the, the beauty of it. It doesn't bring me back. It actually brings me forward into a resonance that wasn't there before. Like I'm starting to feel I can, there's like an end that happens. I can have this goal and I can be gentle. And I can learn to let go of, of the outcome. And I can be sensitive to what other people need. And I can let go of my perfectionism. That's like a new equation for me. And being in that new equation, all kinds of new insights. And with that light and strength comes aligned, the resourcefulness. So that, I love that you brought that up about the, the dissonance being an, a gate into growth. So I love that. I want to actually read a little bit more from that call with her where she talks about resonance and dissonance. She says, and I'm reading here from my paper, but I've danced with authority all of my life. So I know I leave myself. When I'm worried about what other people think, I know I leave the connection when I'm trying to be right. When I focus on getting it right, I feel myself disconnected and I get in my head. I'm attempting to prove something. 
it's interesting that she said that. Like I go into my head and then she pauses and she says, remember, rather than remembering that I'm inherently valuable and that my value is constant, there's no amount of success that can increase it or decrease it. How does that resonate with you? Well, in fact, I, I wrote that one down too. No amount of failure can decrease it. I think that's really powerful because we make such a big deal out of success and failure. Like it's, it's, it matters so much. Yeah. And that perspective just makes it, it, it it's not relevant. Your value is constant. Yeah. Success can increase it. Failure can't decrease it. You know, I put that together. A couple of our, a couple of the other speakers also talked about this, but talked about it pretty deep in his own way, talked about it. It's a, any experience is great if you learn something from it, right? right. And that's, that's really the, the value that's the deeper value than how can we grow from whatever experience there is. But when, when I'm in the experience, my mind gets very obsessed with not failing or with succeeding or, and this is where Amit's balance between excellence and grace, I think is, is fabulous. And he was talking about it a lot in the communication with others and in, in being a leader and how you show up with others. Yes. Uh, but I think it's also very relevant for how you are with yourself. And in fact, all the way through this thing, I found myself constantly looking at the connectedness with self and connectedness with others and looking at the conversations we're having about connectedness with others and thinking about how does that also apply to connectedness with myself? Yes. And when I think about some of the connectedness with myself things, how does that also apply to my connectedness with others? I think there's a really beautiful reflection. Uh, they, they, you know, as without, so within, yes, you know, yes. kind of thing. There's, there's really a nice resonance of of how the two different things we may think of as different yes. are actually a lot the same. Yes. So I want with myself to both hold excellence and grace. Yes, that I, yes. that I feel this goal, this aspiration, big, hairy, audacious thing. There's really power in living into that intention and holding that attention, really seeing myself in that. And then also deeply, genuinely, compassionately looking at what's really happening. How am yes. I living into that? How am I not living into that? Yes. And holding that with some grace. Yes, yes, yes. It was actually so eye-opening to hear about grace from Amit Basak, right? He is the president of Full Potential Solutions. All the accolades, you know, work at the investment banks, the Ivy League schooling, everything, like everything, all of that. It's that is like so, quote unquote, fitting the perfect success. And then he comes out with grace um, and also his story about how he discovered more about race, grace by studying his, well, not studying, by by being given the gift of having two sons who have autism. And I want to read a little bit about that, about how he discovered something about grace. And this is, again, this, this dance with resonance and dissonance that Pamela gifted us. So he says, my wife and I faced a set of challenges that I couldn't imagine. It sort of put us into a situation where we no longer had control over the outcomes of our lives. And he's referring to having now two autistic sons. And we had to accept that. And it took years and it took a lot of 
fighting, a lot of frustration, a lot of drinking, a lot of eating too much, a lot of falling out of shape, a lot of making bad decisions. And in the end, I appreciate, what I really appreciate now is being able to take a walk around the block with one of my sons. Or because with the other son, I can't get him out of the house. And I can give you a myriad of stories about what challenges are and what they cannot do. But when I focus on what they can do, I have a dance party together, enjoy some spaghetti, learn of how someone of them is starting to work with a personal trainer right now, which is amazing to me. Then our mind gets to this point, which I call above the line, where I let myself appreciate the beauty in most of the smallest things. And this is what he relates to grace, finding the beauty in even the smallest things continues also talking about that means also that you need to be able to put yourself in the other person's shoes it is so antithetical for how my ego mind's trained it wants big things it wants things to go really well it has all kinds of expectations and they get in the way and it's interesting to me that we are in the quote-unquote holiday season and Holiday season for some people is beautiful and for many people is very hard. And I've been on both sides of that equation. And when I think about what makes it hard in our minds is because there's all these expectations that they're not about the small things, but they have these things about what should happen. Like we are being fed this steady, not nutritious diet of expectations. Like we have to have the perfect dinner the gifts, the togetherness, the good feeling. It's a lot of expectation. And so when I reflect on time and what, what Amit is saying, it's like you reflect, appreciate even the smallest things. What's that like to come in resonance? Because I'm really honest. Those big expectations are pretty much dissonant to me. And they have some beauty to it. Is that really what I care about? What do I really care about? That part that Amit talked about touched me. Uh, very deeply resonates with the cancer journey I was on with with my wife for a couple of years, and there's the, and he he framed it as a losing control, and I really think it's it's when we and the control is really an illusion, right? It was it, we were never really in control. We felt like it. There seemed to be some evidence that our actions, you know, brought results, but in reality, those results had a lot to do with a lot of things beyond our actions and. I, we just we weren't really in control, but things like his experience with his sons, our experience with the cancer journey, just make it very clear: no, we're not in control. But when you can let go of control, then you can be in the sweetness of what is. And I look back on those couple of years, and I lived the more vividly, more richly, more fully. I was remembering, I was remembering last night, the last time we held hands, we went to sleep. And each time, you know, I, I would wonder, is this the last time in her last few days, she, you know, she was in a, in a hospital bed downstairs and, um, and, and we weren't in bed together. And, and so I didn't know when that was going to happen. She fiercely wanted to keep coming back upstairs to bed. And one day finally just had to say, I guess I can't today. There were just many of those really tender, sweet moments. Mm-hmm. So even while the experience itself was at, at some level devastating, you know, not having her in my world is it's really hard. It was always also very sweet because in that time, the 
there's no room to take it for granted. You know, there was no assumption that it's all going to be there. It, it was very much like Amit's uh, when I walk around the block with my son. You know, mm-hmm. I, I cherished each thing. I cherished each tea time. I cherished each time we had the chance to to be in each other's presence. And there's something about living life more fully when we let go of control. And it's this it's this interesting, and, and I, you hear it all through the each of the people that talked. John had, had elements of this too. When we go of the striving self, the grasping, pushing, you know, way that we think we have to operate, then we actually accomplish more. Then we actually are coming from the energy of creativity. Pradeep is also beautiful in the way he talks about this, watching the monkeys in his mind play. We've got this monkey mind in, in, in many, in the Buddhist tradition, I think it's you know, sort of a negative thing. It's my monkey mind. Mm-hmm. We say it disparagingly for the way our mind thinks. I love how Pradeep love, delights in his monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> he delights in his curious monkeys and yeah. in watching the curious monkeys. You know, the problem with monkey mind isn't, isn't the monkeys. It's the getting over-identified with the monkeys. Yes. I think that's all I am is curious monkey. Yeah. Being able to watch the curious monkey is the powerful place to be in. Because the curious monkey is going to go find all kinds of interesting things that many of which will be worth paying attention to, some of which not at all. But some will be the, will be the piece of genius from which something can be created that we, that we weren't noticing. Uh, so I love that. I love that perspective. Letting that happen. Letting that happen. Like when I hear you speak, Rick, about last years and then last moments and days with Rebecca and how you're still able to receive sweetness and the connectedness in those moments. Could you say a little more about how you access that? Because I can imagine monkey mind going all over the place in such a momentous transition of a person's life that you love. And I'm asking that question because not everybody who's listening is losing a loved one right now, but all of us have challenges and to find that sweetness. And I'm not talking about sweetness from a soft perspective or new age perspective and talking about from a strength perspective, this creativity, this is like what truly matters, that sort of true to the bone connection with what's true. How did you access that? What helped you in that? When somebody you care deeply about is in a struggle, there's something profound that gets called forward in you. She went into the hospital for a, we thought was going to be a simple procedure. And then they discovered the cancer. And this was early in COVID. So she was actually, she went into one hospital, got moved to another. She was 10 days in the hospital and I couldn't go see her. When she came home, I was just very clear, what we need to have here is a healing spa. And so I really centered my mind and my focus around how do we create a space that can be a container for cherishing life, as much of it as we have. And the biggest challenge we faced, I think, through the whole journey was about two years was the mind wants to know what's going to happen. And it would rather lock onto a horrible thing that might happen than live with ambiguity. So one of the hardest things to hold was this might end with her passing and it could end with her healing. And we choose to hold both. The hardest thing was to hang on to both of those things. Just it took 
took incredible discipline and consistency, just a, a passionate commitment to we will always hold open the possibility of healing. And we will also not ignore the possibility of, of this ends in transition. And there was something about holding that tension that I think helped open the space for really being present to everything in the moment. Mm-hmm. When I don't know if this ends in healing or in, in, in losing her mm-hmm. uh, in this life, then, then what I can do, what, what's in front of me that, that I have some choice about, in you know, many ways, it comes back to the Viktor Frankl quote that we talk about. I can choose how I how I will respond in this moment, and how I will respond in this moment is to cherish what is, to deeply be present to what is. And that was our journey, being present to what is. Make it sound so simple, and at the same time, I can hear this challenge in that, and also the fierce commitment to hold both, to hold both outcomes, and hold them with. An open mind and an open heart, and not get seduced by the pseudo certainty of one or the other. And I think that is helpful for many of us because the mind doesn't only want to force certainty situations of life and dying, but it tries to do it all the time. How's Christmas going to go? How is that meeting with the client going to turn out? How's my business going to do? How's my relationship going to go? How will I feel? What's going to help happen with my health? Undermine it of a conversation I just had before this podcast with my neighbor next door here in Phoenix. And we were putting together Luminaria, which is a little paper bags that we light the streets with for the, for the, for the street. It was organized by a neighbor. My neighbor was in his mid-30s suffering from Parkinson's. And he told me that he was just diagnosed two weeks ago with onset of dementia. It was all in the same sentence. The son's there, and we folded paper bags. And he's also talking about how he's working on physical therapy, how he does cognitive therapy, how with this experience of like we having some fun with the bag, and all of that, and all of that, because all of it fit in that moment. There was nothing that had to be left out. That created this sense of peace and connection and realness that I cherish. And I also hear that in your story. When I think about what Bernard said about this, and I, I'm going to read something again from what he said. Bernard Slowy is vice president of digital customer success at Salesforce. He talked about that in his so beautiful on the Irish way. It's like it's a beautiful way of speaking. And he talks about this sort of being at a table that you think is bigger than him, like working at Microsoft and feeling a little bit like an imposter in the beginning or having these big presentations where you don't know what's going to happen. And, and this is a different scale, but we get these invitations all the time. We don't know what's going to happen. Is my house going to sell? When I needed to, is the revenue going to come? I'm going to leave my job. That's a big question people have these days. And when I get so invested in one, I lose my strength. Bible, and I, I, when I'm able to hold both, actually, I'm able to to connect with something much deeper. Bernard says, "I think 
It's the ability to, to be present in the moment and the ability to put feet in the ground and just realize that it's just a meeting. It's just me giving an update. I'm just going to focus on this meet moment in this time. I'm not going to let all the other monkeys that are going around in my brain influence what I'm about to do. If you can find that presence in situations to drive, to drive clarity and a sense of okayness in the situation. That's the secret because we all have monkey brain. And it's interesting. The, the, the mind makes up these ideas of I will be okay when. Then I'll have peace. Then I'll be happy. Then everything will be fine. It's, and these are all fantasies. If, you know, these are all, if I'll be happy when I have a great Christmas. It's a bunch of nonsense. It's not true. Because the, 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 the okayness, the sense of peace comes from a much deeper place that holds both opposites, terrible, great. One of our colleagues is from the Ukraine. Her cousin's friends, half of them have died on the Eastern Front in the last year. That's also part of life. So how do I hold all of that? Being present seems to be a place that's not just a nice place to go, but maybe the only place from which to be. And my sense of all of this work and all these conversations is that all of these speakers are talking to that. Now, Pamela talks about being in resonance with our deeper self. John Rex talks about appreciating every moment. John Rex being the former CFO of Microsoft North America, now a wonderful executive coach. Pradeep is talking, like you were saying, inventor of truths and insights, online transformation game. He talks about how we just how he just watches the monkey mind and all the ideas. He stays curious in, in the middle of that. There's that there's a sense of staying power. Like, how do I access my staying power in all of that? Greg Prince, the chairman of the Dutch Chamber of Commerce, talked about showing up at a meeting where she had to share some really bad news. People had to be laid off. She was sitting in the car on the way there, and she was saying how she felt a little nervous. And then she became present to what her purpose was. And this was to actually be there for the health of the organization and be present to her bigger purpose, not her mind purpose. Amit talks about the beauty of accepting where his sons are and bring that grace to every moment to all of these speakers. And now you are talking about this as well. I suggest that we reflect on this a little bit more, this sense of how do we connect to ourselves and also how do we bring that sense of presence to others? How do we relate to others from that place? And let's explore that a little bit more uh, when we come back after the break, which I propose we take about now. You are listening to Rooted and Unwavering, presented by Growth Leaders Network, the leadership, team, and culture development company. If you would like to learn more about working on connectedness for yourself, your team, or organization, please contact Growth Leaders Network on LinkedIn. And now, back to the show. So I've been speaking with Rick Gage. We are in our 12th episode of Root and Unwavering. And in this episode, we have been reviewing the last six podcasts. 
we've been talking in the first half hour of this conversation about how do we say connected to ourselves in this place that is truly rooted and unwavering. It has this staying power because we hold opposites. We hold all outcomes. We don't get identified or attached to any of that. And we, we access that deeper place and we access that deeper place also together, which is where we're going to focus on now. How do we do this together? Because in, as leaders, as human beings, we're mostly in this together, like we're in this together. So Rick, maybe share a little bit about what you've been learning from these last six speakers about connecting with others. I thought um, John set piece of this up really nicely. We talked about as humans, even more powerful than our intelligence is our ability to work together. And if we think about what is sort of the differentiating thing of the human species, it really is our ability to work together. It's our ability to come together in one way or another. And each of the speakers talked in one way or another about how important connectedness is. John also talked about connection before context, before content, which I thought was a very practical way to think about coming into, we tend to rush right to content. You know, what's the thing we have to do? Amit talked a little bit about the doing versus being. We jump right to the, to the doing. A little mantra that's been really helpful to me uh, over the last year has been first be it. Whatever the thing is we think we have to do, how can I be that first? and really focus on that part of it as a place to start, in part because that opens the channel, that opens the way to engage with others with the kind of grace that I'm going to talk about, the kind of listening deeply to where they are, what's really going on for them. Yeah. I think that really is the essence. I, yeah, I love that Pradeep sort of began and ended uh, his conversation with you with, uh, I'm just trying to be here, have fun, with people that matter. Yes. You know, what a great what a great way to just to simplify the essence of life. I'm trying to be here, all that present stuff we were just talking about, and have fun. I thought that element was really nice. Just open, and, and he does that. I mean, we have our weekly conversation with him on Fridays at the end of the day. I look forward to it every week because I know we're <laughs> going to laugh, we're going to kid, we're going to have fun, we're going to, there's going to be some crazy idea that we're going to have fun playing with. Um, some some monkey's going to have created something interesting in one of our minds, and we'll all get to look at it and laugh and 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 have some fun. And his summary, I love the way he set it up. You know, uh, quoting the great English philosopher Mary Poppins, <laughs> yeah. in every task must be done. There is an element of fun. You find the fun, and then the job's a game. <laughs> And I think that really is a great way to think about how do we engage with each other. Yes. We take it all so seriously. We make it all so important. And, and all of this stuff we talked about in the last section about getting ourselves disconnected from attachment to the outcomes is so present in the way we interact with each other. We come into a conversation and, and the outcome is what we're focused on. When what we need to before content, before content, right? First connection, then context, then content. I love that. Yeah, the connectedness even before context, and then content. The playfulness of that. I, you challenge me on this, Rick, this having fun. You know, I, my ego is very serious. So, for example, when I 
introduced this podcast and I said it was the 11th and then I thought, oh no, it's a 12th episode. My mind was like, what are you doing? You're mad. This is crazy. You can't do that. You're messing up the last <laughs> of the conversations. This is insane. Like, what are you doing? And one of the things I learned from you, Rick, is to be able to laugh. Not to say that things don't matter. It's to say that there is a deeper place where I get in touch with what truly matters. And I bring, in, bring that into conversations. I think also about what Pradeep said about his professor, uh, Dr. Pausch, at Carnegie Mellon. So he loved uh, Dr. Pausch, and uh, Professor Pausch was doing his last lecture of his life because he was uh, on his way to transition uh, due to pancreatic cancer. And he gave this lecture Pradeep talks about. What he got from it was that if you do something and it's not adding value to what we, we really care about, why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? And that really brings us to the question, We also when we relate to others, what do I really care about? What do I really, really care about? Not what my mind has been taught may get me some kind of satisfaction. That's not even mine. Like I, it's like I'm always fascinated by how attached my mind can become to games. Now it becomes about the more points or more, and then in, in business it becomes about more followers or more dollars or more accolades. Or Do I really care about these things? No. Actually, no. What I really care about is in truth to be myself, to, to connect and to give myself to others. And to enjoy it and to learn. That's pretty much it. That is pretty much it. Now, that doesn't mean that achieving things or working well with money or, or having financial success can't be part of that. But it's always success with a small S. It's not the capital S that we're talking about. It's like, yeah, this is, uh, this is part, of the, part of what we're doing here. This is part of what we're doing here. I love how... Pamela talked about how you translate resonance, resonance into conversation, like what she cares about. And one of the things she cares about, and she embodies this, is also the sense of deep authenticity. And she talks about putting my badge on the table. So sprites, and I'm reading this out, I'm going to not leave the room with my thoughts not spoken. I'm going to stay embodied in the room, even if it's a virtual room, by singing my voice, finding my voice and inserting it. There is the urge and the following action, giving yourself permission to do it. I might fumble, I might be awkward, clumsy in the way, on the way, but in order for me to stay connected, I need to tell you where I stand in order for our relationship to be clean. And I need to be able to tell you what's on my mind, even if it's unskillful or even if you're not going to like it. You know, in organizational settings, we miss that because we've conflated that a disconnect is conflict instead of making it a connecting moment. I think intellectually we know this, maybe visually, but somehow we've made not speaking our truth 
as somebody who's nice, close, as opposed to understanding that when we avoid conversations, difficult conversations, we actually miss the glue that keeps us in relationship. She says so much there to me. So when you hear that, Rick, what resonates with you? That there's that that's where the juice is. I've talked about this too. There's there's in conflict is the opportunity to learn something new. In conflict and in the listening to the other and genuinely opening to the learning is the opportunity for something new to emerge. Yeah. This is the this is the space in which creativity can happen. And this is one of those where it's really interesting to flip it then and say, how is that also true inside? How how can I speak my truth to me? inside yeah it's it's a very powerful way to, to, to think about both these I, I when i when i let this that same stuff from pamela this morning actually and it, it hit me for listening to myself in the sort of quiet time i'm having around the holidays to think about what do i want for the next part of my life having that and, and it all comes back to bernard talked about this trust starts with truth so we want to build this trust connectedness between people or even with ourselves. It starts with the truth. It starts with being clear and real about what's true, not what we've made up about the situation, not this story that we're telling ourselves about this, not our preoccupation with the outcome or whatever it may be. What's really true? And what's really, what is it that really matters here? This is why I have the word paradox, because... On the surface, in the surface thinking, opposing opinions, even in my mind, are in conflict. I should do this well. I want to be relaxed. I want to be kind. These things seem to be in conflict in some way in my mind. And when I let them be together, there's a kind of congealing that happens. And a different flavor emerges where all of them are present in a way. Ahmed talked about radical honesty. And, and a piece of the frame of that was to be present, curious, and kind. Love that, that combination of those three things. And it's very much in that paradox mm-hmm. that, that is the, the way in which we can open this connection between us, yeah. as also Pamela was just saying. It, it's to be real, to show up and be real, even if it's a little messy. Yes. I think that's, that's, that's this idea. We have both inside and outside. That connectedness is somehow smooth sailing. It's yes. somehow always nice and pleasant. Yes. And we've accepted pleasant as an alternative for real. Pleasant, yes. comfortable as an alternative for deep and meaningful. Yeah. And I want more deep and meaningful, and I'm okay with there's a little bit of, of bumpiness in it and some yes. discomfort in the conversation. Yes, 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 yes. So fumbling our way through sometimes, and that's okay. That's okay. I'm just thinking about how much value I still place on things being perfect and clean and buttoned down. And there's value to it, absolutely. And it's also a, a limitation because there's no creativity in it when I only stay there. Right? So it's like, Okay, I can, I can do my best. I can be do my do my best to give my best, and then allow for the fumble with you uh, and with in relationship with each other. There's a little bit of Northern European, Western culture in that. I think we can learn 
some other cultures that are more willing to have cacophony and, and, and other things going on. I know as I work for an Indian company, um, how hard it was for me because I have this, just this really deep rule that we should talk one at a time, please. And, uh, and I should listen. And, and, and I do still kind of think that that works better. But but my Indian colleagues, they would be in their meeting. There, there are five conversations going on at any point in time. That was just the way things work for them. And, and when you visit India, you understand why. That's just how things are. It's it's a cacophony. It's, there's, there's all stuff happening all over the place all the time. Yes. In some ways, that's more real. And, and so, you know, whether that's really the way we run our meetings or not is a separate conversation. But I think just acknowledging that there are a whole bunch of things going on and it doesn't all fit in a neat box and it's not a tidy conversation. And, uh, you know, it's a, one of the groups I work with has as one of its values, accept um, that we that this will be messy and that we won't won't feel like we resolved everything. Yeah. Expect non-resolution. Yes, yes. When we can be when we can be okay with that, then we can have a different conversation. And all of that is rooted in the the deeper belief and the and the focus on what matters is our connectedness. What matters is our relationship. Yes. Our relationship and the way we are together is what will carry us through this. Yes. We may figure it out in this conversation. We may not. Either way, okay, we'll yes. get there. Yes, yes, yes. As you're speaking, I'm thinking about Craig Prince and. She talked about how she makes it a practice to absorb all these different opinions and also very different opinions, opinions that are different from hers. And as you talked about that, I can feel the service in that. Like here's a person leading a very prominent organization in the Netherlands. She's also part of the Dutch Senate. So she gets exposed to all kinds of opinions, all things. And here she is, centered, radiant, taking it in, taking it in. And then she said, without becoming taken away by it. Now, sleep over it. And it was interesting to me because I, I heard her talk about, I'm absorbing all these different opinions, and then I go to sleep, as opposed to, I'm going to try to figure out how it all fits together, what I'm going to do, how to, no, no. Then I'm going to surrender. That to me touches into grace and surrender in a very different way. Okay, sleeping is an act of surrender. Let grace in, the grace of deeper insight, more harmony. And then she says, I wake up and the words come, trusting that. I remember when I was young, we would often hear the phrase, let me sleep on it. Just like, you know, I'm not going to resolve that right now. I hear it, I've absorbed it, but let me sleep on it. And there is something really powerful in that. I think there is a way in which the mind can organize things when we give it space, uh, the yeah. space of time, as well as, in fact, literally sleep. It's so interesting to you, Rick. You know, we, we make ourselves so big. I include myself in those. And here I am with my, all my notes and, you know, <laughs> all these people and sitting here thinking, I want to make sure we cover everyone. <laughs> we do this well, and it becomes so simple because it's not a sort of candy store simplicity, which is to me like what, what I've also followed, is like, just be still and be present and you're good. And that's kind of stonewalling reality. There's a way that what I, what I love about all of these people that have been, that have been talking to us about is about 
actively engaging in life, actively being a leader. All of these people have a lot of responsibility for a lot of people every day and engaging in that. And each person comes back to my home place, my home base is not out there. It is somewhere in, in here. And I can't reason myself there. I have to kind of allow it to happen. Pamela talking about resonance. Resonance, you don't make resonance. It happens. It resonates or it doesn't, right? Pradeep talks about watching all of this, watching, the act of watching all the monkey, monkey mind. Bernard talks about being present. That's an active part of that, but there's also a lot of surrender in that. Craig talks about absorption. Amit talks about appreciating the beauty in eating spaghetti. I want to I read a, a piece from, from the call with, with John, which to me summarizes a lot of what we've been talking about. He said this, we humans tend to try too hard to define what the rewards of life should be. We don't trust, we don't trust enough that the journey itself is its own reward. So we fixate on a destination or a particular achievement and we forget that the value of life is in living the journey. This present moment that we're in right now has its own merit and value just by being here. Every experience has value as it offers us an opportunity to respond, to be conscious, to make a choice that brings us peace in our heart and feel pride in our actions. Right now, and I think about that as an end of year reflection, because at the end of the year, we tend to reflect on what went well and what did not go so well, and where do we want to go? And I'm wondering what happens with that conversation when we let go of the idea of destination. We allow for that deeper conversation to just happen. And say, okay, so what did I learn this year about what was truly important to me? How do I get in touch with that a little bit more? What exactly is important? And how can I bring forth more of what's truly important to me into next year? Like, what is that like? And then not so... Super, doesn't have to be so super serious. It can be very playful. That's what I hear when I think about John's words. I love that. And I want to connect it also with the, how we hold that together in, in community, in, in relationship. And Pradeep talked about how your past is someone else's future. And he also talked about your future is someone else's past. And that really kind of grabbed me. I can sort of get the legacy part and I like sharing what, what I've learned along the way and, and all that. But in the, in the, your future is someone else's past. You just don't know them yet. Or you don't know it yet, I think, maybe. Because there, there's something in that. What if I couldn't know somebody whose past is my future? Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't, how much more quickly could I absorb what is coming ahead for me? Um, it's just, it was just really interesting to, to open to that. Um, and I love that sort of understanding of how much there is alike that we share, that we can gain from relationship with each other. And it, it helps blow up this aloneness, this, uh, I, my experience is unique. I need to hide it. I can't share it because it might be viewed as defective or I can be viewed as 
as not capable because I'm having this experience. When in reality, we're all having this experience. Maybe not the specific bird of it. Not everybody lost a spouse this year, but everybody experienced some disappointment. They experienced something that didn't go the way they wanted it to go. They had an opportunity to cherish something that felt really good. They had a chance to be aware of what was important to them and, and to savor it, you know, whatever that may have been. So there's, there is a universality to the experience. We're not as separate as we think we are. And it gives us a chance to be more deeply ourselves, more deeply aware of what's true, uh, and to be an asset to each other in that process. I can see for you things that's hard for you to see for yourself. You can see for me things that's hard for me to see for myself. When we can do this together, we can we can do it better. To me, that's peace on earth. That's peace on earth. Be able to open to everyone's perspective, everyone's experience, and to accept it and to acknowledge it, to value it, to empathize with it, to bring all of our humanity to everyone else's experience, including ours, and say, yeah, this is also happening. And that's peace that's not the absence of dissonance. Right. It's peace that includes the dissonance yes. and the resonance and says it's all okay. Yeah, yes. Not that we condone everything, not that we're, not that it, it you know, we, we stand against things and we stand for things and it's all okay. And then from that okayness, we can play. <laughs> we can set goals and be ambitious or not. Take a vacation, have a conversation. Watch the monkeys play. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like the laughter drops us deeper into that. Right? It's like, okay. Like, I wonder who I would be if I wasn't able to laugh. I'm like, oh, I'm so grateful that I'm able to laugh because it allows me to almost shake some of the constrictions. It's okay. Yeah. Laughing into acceptance and deeper peace. Saying, yeah, that too. That too. Rick, is, what is your final word today? Because I'm looking at the little clock and it says we're close to end today. There's a magic thing about this part of life that I wish somebody could have helped me see 20 years ago. There's a grandfather eyes, I, I describe it. I, I wish everyone could see the world through grandfather eyes. And for me, grandfather eyes are eyes that are, are able to be amused by the struggles of my, of my grandkids. Not, not their pain and suffering, I don't mean that. I just mean at watching them as they're growing and learning and trying and doing and, and just delighting in that journey. Feeling with them when they when they fall and scrape their knee or or they have their moment, but the kids res- respond so quickly. They you know they they recover so quickly, knowing that recovery can happen quickly if we don't get in in the way of it. Um, and and able to just see with delight and joy the beautiful humans around us, learning and growing as best they can in whatever situation they're in. It's just a lovely, open-hearted way to live. And somehow it's easier for me later in life. I wish it could have been easy earlier in life, but it's a beautiful way to live. I love seeing the world through grandfather eyes. Thank you, Rick. Thank you for lending us your, your grandfather eyes. That to me is what we've been talking about today in some ways, which is to connect more deeply to what is true, which means that we're going to 
I have to be able to accept and embrace everything that's here without getting identified with it or getting too caught up in it. And when we caught up in it, just being able to observe ourselves being caught up and then bringing that sense of acceptance. Pamela talked about that as the safest table of the room to ourselves and to each other. And that is also my, my wish for each of us, that we are able to bring the safest table in the room to wherever we are in this holiday season or whatever season we might be in to ourselves and to each other, where we can laugh with love and hold with kindness what is happening right now, whatever that might be, whether it's fumbling or a fantastic performance, whatever it might be, and anything in between. So thank you all for listening today. I hope you heard something that resonated with you, Rick. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing so vulnerably your experiences, both from your life and from the last few episodes of Root and Unwavering. We'll be taking a short break here in this podcast series, and we'll continue on January 13th with Augusto Munch, who is the CEO of Binger Ingelheim, Central America, Mexico, and Caribbean also an executive coach and a beautiful human being. And we're going to have a conversation with him about what connectedness means to him. And until then, I look forward to seeing you again in another episode of Root and Wavering. I'm your host, Hilke Faber, and this is Root and Wavering, where we help people connect more deeply to their innate potential. Thank you for joining us in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering, leadership conversations about courageous connectedness, presented by the leadership development company, Growth Leaders Network. To learn more, subscribe to this podcast, connect with Growth Leaders Network and Hilke Faber on LinkedIn, or read Hilke's award-winning book, Taming Your Crocodiles. Now take a moment and appreciate something that is great about you. Celebrate the gift that you are and enjoy connecting more deeply to your best self today. See you next time on Rooted and Unwavering.